again, everyone, and welcome to Functional Fertility, the podcast where we show you how to demystify your hormones, up-level your lifestyle, and supercharge your fertility potential. So picture a bird flying up in the air, right? And it's like it, it's using its wings and all its energy to go all the way up high. It gets to a certain point and then it meets the wind and then it lets itself be flown by the wind and it lets go completely. I'm your host, Dr. Kalia Waddles, and today we're exploring the mind-body connection with a wonderful friend of mine and a brilliant mind in integrative fertility, Michelle Orvitz. Let me tell you a little bit about Michelle. She is an acupuncturist, an Ayurvedic practitioner, and certified hypnotherapist specializing in fertility health. She was actually inspired to change her career from architecture to acupuncture after having her own reproductive imbalances resolved by her acupuncturist. Her method of treatment encompasses not only herbs and acupuncture, but also incorporates diet, supplements, essential oils, and most importantly, the mind and how it influences conception. She helps women and couples both online as well as in person, and she's the host of the Wholesome Fertility Podcast. A fun fact is... Michelle's show was one of the first podcasts that I ever was a guest on all the way back in 2019. So we have a long history together. I've been waiting for this moment. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much, Dr. Colia, for having me. Um, so happy to be here. Well, you know, I learned so much from you about mind-body medicine and that energetic connection to fertility. I love reading your content and you've been actually such an important mentor to me. I think we should unpack this a little bit because I think that this mind-body connection is often the missing component on a fertility treatment plan. And you speak about this just so beautifully. And part of your work that I really appreciate is this concept of the heart uterus connection. Like how beautiful is that? But I think it's new to many of us. So to kick off our episode today, will you just give us a little primer on what the heart uterus connection means and how it relates to fertility? Absolutely. Well, first off, you teach me so much. So the feeling is mutual. That's number one. But yes, the heart uterus connection is one of my favorites. And it just really shows, you know, the heart is always considered a, a space of love. And when you do feel compassion, you do feel love. You feel it literally. If you really get into your body, you can feel it in your heart. But there's also a Chinese medicine explanation for this. So the heart is actually connected to the uterus through a channel called the Bao Mai. And the uterus is also connected to the kidneys, which house uh, reproductive health in Chinese medicine. So they're really in charge of that. However, in, in Western medicine, we think of it as urine and one of the cleansing um, aspects of the body. But in Chinese medicine, they actually have a really important role in fertility health. Um, so back to the heart uterus connection, the heart also houses the mind. Um, and it houses Shen, which is kind of like the spirit of the mind. So it's more than just the brain. It's just, it's more than just mental, but it's also this kind of spirit that you can see in a person's eyes. And so anything that is like ang anxiety, any kind of mental disorder will impact the, the heart. So if somebody has like a really stressful event, it will impact the heart. And a lot of times when people have anxiety, if you think about it, they get heart palpitations, they can immediately feel it. So um, 
on the other hand, if you do nourish the heart, you can also nourish the mind. So it's kind of like a back and forth relationship. And then if you, um, so you basically have this immediate connection, right? This, this like channel within that connects the heart to the uterus. And now what does the heart do? It actually has a role in opening the uterus. So if it has a role in uh, menstruation, it can impact, um, if there's a lot of stress, sometimes people won't get their period. It can impact their ability to just like, let go. Um, it also, interestingly enough, if you think about labor right before labor, when a mother is about to give birth, like what instigates labor? Oxytocin. What's oxytocin? The love hormone. When does oxytocin also raise really high? It also raises high during conception. Um, well, during ovulation, you'll see that it increases and it also increases around or after orgasm for both men and women. And this is one of the reasons why, especially for women, it's higher. This is why women bond with men after intercourse. So there's this connection, it's an opening. So what's interesting is that it opens around conception and it also opens right before labor. What happens with labor? The uterus opens and the baby comes out. So it really has like such a beautiful, eloquent, if you, and, and scientific, if you really look into it, um, there's never really been like a study specifically for seeing if oxytocin can help fertility. And I don't know that oxytocin necessarily um, it has ever could be a treatment for fertility per se, but I do believe that natural oxytocin, it also contracts the uterus. And then there's also this upsuck theory. If you get an orgasm, it actually contracts the uterus and it actually brings up the sperm. So I feel like there's this correlation just by looking at it, you know, you don't have to like have like this check mark from the researchers saying this is what it is. But if you really look at it, it has to be there for a reason. Oxytocin has to be there for a reason and because it's increased during that time and nature just doesn't make those mistakes. So I find it really fascinating, that connection. And, um, and one of the things that I do is I always talk to people about bringing that love back in, because when you're stressed out, you really shut yourself out from joy and you almost don't allow yourself. It's kind of like this misconceived notion that we have to shut our own joy in order to like, you know, in order to get what we want. Like, so if we haven't gotten what we wanted or the goal, we cannot feel joy until. Well, that is a beautiful connection. I definitely want to talk more about this. And as you're speaking about it, I'm thinking about, um, I, I always talk to people about how so many of the things we do to support fertility also can help reduce risk factors for cardiovascular disease, right? It's mm -hmm. things like nitric oxide production that helps both the cardiovascular and the uterine systems. And thinking about good blood flow, which is obviously important for both of those body systems, mitochondrial support, which is so necessary for heart muscle contraction and for our fertility. So I'm seeing this connection on multiple layers as you're speaking, which is really amazing. I is know. I love that. that are you addressing this with all of your patients or is there a certain type of person you mentioned, maybe someone who's feeling anxious or has some mood disorders going on, or who maybe is particularly closed off from joy and happiness. And I mean, how are you selecting which patient you really want to, 
you want to go there with? I, I talk to everybody about this because we all have our normal stressors and it, this is not something that you wait until something goes wrong in order to implement. I think that this is something that can help regardless of where you're at. And of course, we all experience stress regardless if we're on the fertility journey or not. But then on top of it, fertility journey, it's like you're multiplying the amount of stress that people are going through. And a lot of the information that they're getting and a lot of the experience that they're getting really kind of shuts out that right brain um, and, and puts us into this left brain, which is more analytical. You know, we're kind of like, we're kind of encouraged almost to look at more numbers and like specifics. And, and so we kind of come out of that feel um, mentality and we will feel, but it's by default. It's just in response to what we're kind of doing. So I think that it's important to be proactive about your emotional state and because it is something that you can actually be proactive about. And it is something that you can encourage. The mind is very receptive. So like if you give yourself things or spend time doing things that actually encourage a state of presence. So whether it's meditation or going outside or watching even comedies and just like laughter, which I just feel like puts you into this parasympathetic mode and just releases and creates joy and give yourself that, like you deserve that. And knowing that you actually deserve to feel that way, then you can actually get to that point, even though it feels like you don't have that choice. Mm -hmm. Wow. It sounds like to kind of summarize how we might approach supporting the heart uterus connection. I heard you mention joy and laughter and approaching with love. I'm also wondering if there's room for some creative energy, whatever your creative outlet is painting or even reorganizing, just letting that creative flow. What are some of your top suggestions when you really want to support that connection and turning this insight into action for patients? Oh yeah. I I'm all about fertility and creativity because fertility is creativity. It's just in a physical realm and then a uh, mental realm of, of creativity where you're giving birth and you're conceiving is really mental. I mean, it's the same thing, different energies, different dimensions. So when you're going into that state, one thing that I always realize or have realized more recently, I, but it's something that I've always felt there was a connection. If you cannot create, if you ask any artist, they have to trust in order to create. They cannot create with this distrust. As soon as they have the distrust, that's when the inner critic comes in and it that's when they start to have creative blocks. So distrust is what, it just, it, it does not go well with creativity. In order to like really allow that channel and that thought and like the brain dump and whether it's writing, um, painting, it could be in music, it could be in anything really dancing in order to allow yourself to be taken by that moment. Cause really a lot of times artists will say they're almost like channels. You have to trust that process. And so I find that that to be one of the key things with creativity, when you allow yourself to get into that flow, then you're, you're changing your physiology as well. You're getting to the state of peace and ease so it is a therapy and it's actually been used in therapy as well. And there's something actually called neuro, I think it's neurotropic art. You could Google it. I mean, um, there's lots of videos on it 
And it's a very specific type of art where you take a bunch of lines and you just crisscross them. You could do circles, you could do whatever, but then you have them like crossed at different times, at different areas. Then you, what you do is you take a black ink. Well, you do do it with a blank black ink, but then you, um, or any ink really, but it looks nicer with black, but then you take the X area and you soften them. So like where it's like this X, or if it's like a right angle, you know, at that point, you take it and you soften it and then you fill it in. So then you have all these areas that are a little softened and then you can add um, colors to the different areas. And then it starts to look like neurons, but there's a psychological effects that it does on the brain. And they use it for like, they combine it almost like as art therapy with psychology. And it helps you to work out emotions where you feel almost like trapped in your emotions. Sometimes emotions will start spinning on themselves. It's very hard to get out. So this is one of the greatest things. It's an amazing tool to do when you're in that state. So if you have triggers, it's a great thing to do. Two-week wait, it's a great thing to do. It's like a really great tool. We have so many cool tools in our toolbox, so many (laughs) things to choose from. And hearing you talk about this aspect of trust, it got me thinking, you and I have talked a lot about surrender in the past and what it means to surrender. And I think there's inherently a trusting process with, um, you know, you and I have talked about when you, when you surrender your hopes and dreams to some higher power, whatever that looks like for you. It's not about giving up. It's about giving over some trust yes. that is going to work out. You're you're managing the parts that you can control. And then the rest, you're giving it over to the universe or, you know, again, whatever that looks like for you to make it happen. And I think that there's something so healing in that trust, knowing that um, it's actually not the weight isn't on you to manage it all on your own, that you can give that over and let let things fall into place. And I think that can be really healing to the nervous system. Oh, big time. I mean, our nervous system is not really made or built to carry everything. We're just not meant to do that. And just think about even being in a community, you don't carry the load of every single person in the community. You don't, you're not meant to, you're not meant to shoulder everything. I mean, yes, you're meant to work, but not overwork. And yeah. So when you realize kind of what your role is with this intelligence soup that we're in, because that intelligence soup doesn't just run ourselves, doesn't just tell ourselves or the little ants where to go. Cause you see how all of this intelligence is everywhere in nature. So it also reflects not just in our body, but outside of us. So, and it continues on into the universe. And so if you allow that intelligence to have a say, to do some guiding, then you're not going to be shouldering all of that weight. Yeah. How relieving, especially if you felt a real weight and a burden for some time. So that was beautifully said. And I want to touch back on this point about laughter because actually the first naturopathic doctor I ever went to, she was also an Ayurvedic practitioner. And she talked to me about, it was kind of the opposite about scary movies. She said, I was in college and she said, don't watch scary movies before you're going to take a test or before you have some big event. And similarly with pregnant women, she said, I tell pregnant women don't watch scary movies. It's just going to get your cortisol all over the place. And so now it's fun to hear you say the opposite, that you kind of almost prescribe comedy and lighthearted things because laughter is medicine and laughter is healing. So I just wanted to revisit that point and talk about, you know, how do, how do patients receive it when you say you need to go watch something funny, do something lighthearted. And how do you incorporate that joy and lightheartedness and laughter into your treatment plans? 
So as soon as I talk to them or I say that, they start laughing. But I usually say it with um, with a study that actually has been done on women who have done transfers and right after transfers, they had clown therapy. I think that like the personally, I don't think clowns are funny, but I guess it was funny for them. I mean, they had like the doctors dress up as clowns. I guess that would be funny. And they laughed and it was like this kind of lightheartedness. And it was after transfers and and they found that actually it had improved the outcomes for the patients that laughed versus the patients that did not get this clown therapy. So I found that to be really interesting. But if you think about it, it makes sense. Your body heals. You feel better when you laugh. Like you're, you feel better because your body lets you know how things are going based on how it feels. So like if things are off, you'll feel off. And I don't know, just laughter. There's nothing like it. I mean, people love it. It feels good. <laughs> it feels good to feel good. Okay. I'm adding this to my, my plans now because people always ask me, what do I do the day after my transfer? And I have all these things. Oh, eat foods that support nitric oxide production. So your endometrium is nice and healthy and get rest and eat healthy fats and, uh, you know, eat warm things. But now I'm going to say, watch something funny, whatever your favorite funny movie is, <laughs> go home and watch that. That's actually such a great idea. Yeah, it's awesome. And it also helps, helps get the edge off. I mean, listen, they're not going to have, like, they're not going to be completely free of any edge because it is very difficult time. The two week wait, especially after a transfer and all the money that you spent and all the everything. So at least it's just something to kind of take the edge off for sure. Yeah. I love that. And on this topic of, um, lightheartedness and being carefree last year, you made this incredible video where you talked about calling back that part of ourselves who used to laugh and used to be carefree kind of before we sacrifice our peace of mind when we may be going through a really tough fertility journey. And it really struck me in that video. You said, hold on to that girl, nurture her because she needs your love now more than ever. Mm -hmm. I had to sit with that for a minute. I mean, that really meant something to me. How do you work with patients to love and nurture that forgotten aspect of themselves that may, uh, that, you know, when they were lighthearted and they felt like they could enjoy a funny movie when things get really heavy, the fertility journey is taking longer than they expected. It can be defeating. How do you start to call back that aspect of their heart? Baby steps. Um, definitely little by little, just to kind of, uh, when I have a conversation with them, we just start always virtually. And I talk about just like, what is it that you like? And the, the, it's a question that I actually have on my intake form. Like, what are things that bring you joy? What are things that make you happy? Like, and how much of that do you do? You know, so how much stress, what do you like, what gives you stress? So we look at like, I think awareness is huge because then it gets people to really look like, what am I spending my time doing? And then, like I said, baby steps. So acupuncture in by itself will help people feel more at ease. And sometimes that by itself allows people little by little to get back to themselves because I think we're built to get back to that place. We're designed that way because the things that are healthy for us ultimately feel good. And I'm not talking about addictions because those are very temperamental. It's not a real feel good, but the true feel good is what we are designed to feel. And we're always going to want to be called back to that. 
eventually. And so when we get our bodies right, it'll get our minds right. And then things will fall into place. But I always do use suggestions and I do talk to people and listen, sometimes just listening also allowing people to just really get what's on their heart out because so many people going through this have nobody to talk to, including sometimes their partners because women and men process emotions so differently. And sometimes men just don't like their way of dealing with is not to deal with it and work or, you know, not all, but some, you know, so that's, um, I feel like that's one of the things just being able to express it or, or have a place to get it out just alleviates them. And then naturally they start to come back to themselves. Yeah, that makes great sense to me. And you mentioned that you do some questioning in your intakes and really trying to get to, you know, what are the mental, emotional, spiritual obstacles that someone might be facing? And I've got to be honest, sometimes I'm working with patients and I think we both know that there's something going on, but we can't recognize it. We can't grasp what that is. And patients will say, I truly don't know. I have the perfect life. I don't know what blocks there are, but then we start thinking about, okay, what's the pressure like to maintain a perfect life, right? Like there's always something, but sometimes I think it is really hard to identify what those blocks are. So can you tell us a little bit about how you get to the bottom of that. Do you combine, is it acupuncture and does hypnotherapy come into play? What tools are you using so that if anyone's listening and they're thinking, wow, I really need this, what kind of modalities should I explore? What advice do you have in that department? So I often suggest journaling because um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this book, The Artist's Way. Have you ever heard of that book? Yes. Yes. It's an amazing book. It's like one of those life-changing books. And she talks about how all of us are creators and it's true. We either create consciously or we create by default. And sometimes we can create our fears just because we don't even pay attention to them. So we're all creators. I mean, if left to our own devices, just like if you leave a dog without real stimulation, they're going to chew up the whole house. Like you know, we, we sometimes can create all kinds of stuff. So my point is, is that if you give yourself a place to release in the mornings, she does, um, she, she suggests doing three pages. They're called the morning pages. And so just three pages of anything, anything, it could be, I don't even know what to write. I don't know what to write, whatever comes up. And if you don't know, say that like anything, three pages of that, it's almost like a daily brain dump. And it releases, it kind of like dislodges uh, blocks pretty much. So when you're able to just like give yourself a space, what happens is if you do this repetitively, your brain will be like, okay, that's when I, just like when you go to the bathroom, right? Like if that's your daily routine, it's going to start saying, okay, that's my time. Or this is when I go to sleep. Well, this is my time to brain dump. So I won't have to do it at night and wake up my host, you know, and just like, so it's a, it's a place to kind of release. And then what happens is little by little by doing that, it could be very cathartic and it can allow for more clarity to arise. So I really do find that to be incredibly beneficial meditation gold standard. I mean, you can't get better than that because even though it's difficult for a lot of people, it doesn't stay difficult because the nature of the mind is to ebb and flow. Nothing lasts forever. Even the difficulties, even the triggers, it'll pass. And so it teaches you that number one, but it also teaches you awareness. And when you shed light on anything, it 
creates clarity. It might be difficult, but it'll bring more clarity. I love the idea of journaling. I I am a new journaler myself, maybe in the last six months or so. I've I never adopted that practice and it's absolutely life-changing. So highly recommend journaling. Um and the meditation piece, I don't know if this is something that you tell patients, but I always say if it's hard for you to sit in meditation by yourself, do a guided meditation. If you need yeah. some kind of some uh, anchoring someone guiding you through there, do it. That's what it's there for. Totally. And one of the things that I suggest too is um, on Netflix, they have a series from Headspace. Have you seen that? It's actually oh, really no. cute. It's awesome. awesome. It's awesome because it's it's actually made for the ADD brain. For, and I get, I get ADD myself. So like I can't, sometimes I can't watch a full thing or I get like a little anxious, if, not anxious, but like restless if I'm watching even a show for too long without a break. Mm-hmm. You know, I think all of us, we need a little like something to keep us entertained. So it's like really small clips. I think they're like 30 minutes each and it's a cartoon and it describes all the different types of meditation. So it's a great way to get acclimated and to learn. And then at the end, it guides you through each one of those meditations. It's just a beautiful way to introduce yourself to meditation. I love that. Uh, One of my most treasured teachers and mentors, Monique Class. She's a mind body expert and she calls it micro dosing meditation. Oh, I love that. Little bits at a time throughout the day, just to do a little reset of your nervous system. So that's very well aligned. I absolutely love that. I've heard you now mention flow a couple of times, you know, when we're talking about creativity and we're talking about surrender, I think flow is definitely an important theme when we're talking about fertility. I mean, that makes so much sense, right? Flow is life. Can you talk to us a little bit about flow in terms of the meridian used in acupuncture, but also flow just in our lifestyle? I love flow because I love being in flow. Being in flow is like the best thing ever. It's like, I feel like it's like nirvana. You know, that's the ultimate flow. It's just being in this kind of open portal where you're just so open and part of it's trust. Um, Before I get into the Meridians, I just want to give an example. Like it's effortless effort. So you put effort and you also allow. So it's kind of like the perfect harmony between yin and yang. So picture a bird flying up in the air, right? And it's like, it's using its wings and all its energy to go all the way up high. It gets to a certain point and then it meets the wind and then it lets itself be flown by the wind and it lets go completely. You see it not moving anything. It just allows itself to be flown. So it needs both. And this is, um, you know, there's always this thing, well, if I let go, I'm not going to do anything. There's nothing to do. Like, am I going to just sit there and let life happen? You've always heard that question, you know? Um, when talked about like Buddhism and, and some of the ways that people talk about effortless effort, it's both. It's that combination of both happening at the same time. So the body, we have this chi, which actually works very hard. It's our energy, but it's more than energy. It's also life. It's life force and it's also intelligent. So there's something about it. It knows exactly what to do. Sometimes it's blocked and it gets blocked when we work outside of the Tao, like the Tao is the way of life. When we work outside against it, against the forces of the Tao, we eat too late, we sleep too late, or we sleep too much, or we eat too much, too little, don't listen to our body, overstress, 
we're just working against our body. Our body can only take so much because we're still human. So then we start to have these really bad blocks or just kind of new patterns within our body that don't really flow according to like our natural health or optimal health. And then we start to develop blocks. We can have energy blocks. And then one of the symptoms that we can feel is pain, discomfort, stress, constriction. If it gets worse, it can start to become tumors. It can get blood stasis, you know, so it just keeps gradually getting worse and worse and worse. So one of the ways we can get that moving is through the energy meridians, which are deep within our body. They go through the organs. And what happens is every so often, certain places, they come up for air close to the surface of the skin in certain spots. And those are the spots where we use as the acupuncture points. And when we have them, because they're more shallow, we can actually access not just the the points, but the meridians that go deep within the body. And we're able to get that energy flowing. So if a person does acupuncture many times, especially if they have body awareness or have done yoga or exercise, they just like know how to feel their body because that is a skill and a practice that not everybody has, then they could literally feel the channels. And now I have this image in my mind because I know what the channels look like. And I give myself acupuncture, I can actually feel it moving through the channels, which is really wild. (laughs) Wow. I just love the way that you explain things so approachable. And when you talked about, when you said, allow yourself to be flown, it gave me chills. That was, that was, no one has ever explained it to me like that before. That was such a beautiful description and visual. So I appreciate that so much. And one thing I love learning about from you is aligning with the elements is, is that one way that we can encourage this natural flow is to live in alignment with the elements? I'd love just to hear a little bit more about that. Yes, absolutely. Because um, there's so many, the beautiful thing about nature is that there's so many ways to do it. And one of the ways is that nature is always nature. It's been nature 3000 years ago. It doesn't change. It has its laws And those laws have rhythms and they're way stronger than we are. And those rhythms will always carry us if we allow them to. So if we go outside and we gaze, not directly at the sun, but allow us, our eyes to perceive the sun early in the morning, we can anchor our circadian rhythm. So it actually utilizing nature can get us to alignment fast as well. So that's one of the ways that we can get ourselves to alignment. And then putting our feet on the earth is another way because of our electromagnetic field. It actually grounds us. And this is even, you know, people might think it's woo-woo, but it's not. If it was woo-woo, they wouldn't have a grounding wire for every single electrical outlet that you see. You need that grounding wire for a reason with certain amount of electricity. And we're absorbing so much of that just from our environment. So we need to ground it. Um, not only that, but there's also uh, science behind it. They have shown that grounding can decrease your inflammation just after 15 minutes of using a grounding mat or putting your feet on the earth. Um, the earthing movie is something that I suggest for people to watch if they haven't already done so. It's an amazing movie, but it explains exactly like what I'm talking about and in a way that's really, really easy to understand. 
Um, what other ways? Even listening to birds has, has been shown to put us in a state of ease and peace. I feel like when I meditate outside and I hear the songs of the birds, I feel like they're tuning me like a tuning fork. There's something about it that really puts you at peace. Watching water calms you. You immediately feel good and open and expansive. The negative ions are amazing. It has an effect not just on your body, but your mind and puts you in this parasympathetic state. So there's so many ways that nature is so good for us. And it's accessible, right? These things are free. Look out and perceive the sun and get your feet on the ground. That's what I love about about this aligning with nature piece is because it's accessible to all of us. Yes. Well, uh, I just have to do a shout out for earthing, especially. There's some really decent studies where they looked at um, the patients had stasis wounds. So they essentially had wounds on their legs and feet from a lack of adequate blood flow. And they had them go out and put their legs just in the grass on the ground and their wounds that were resistant to treatment and were not healing, they healed when they were touching the ground. So there really is something to this. And it just feels good to feel good. We already established that piece. So I love that advice. In in all of the years you've been treating fertility patients, I'm sure that there's some themes that come up again and again. And maybe we've touched on many of those already. Is there a piece of advice or a conversation theme that you find yourself having with most of your fertility patients? Well, recently, I guess recently, my biggest theme, um, there's two things actually I'm going to mention. One of them is really finding that peace before hitting that goal. Like that's a big one because I see people when they do go through the treatments and, and start to feel more whole after feeling not so whole. Like, I think that that's like their biggest thing. They're like so thankful at that moment that they can actually be less suffering in their journey. And they didn't expect that to be the case. And this is before they got their goal, which is the baby. So this is before pregnancy, before anything. It was like nothing happened, but their well-being, you know, and, and what they've been doing to take care of themselves, nothing else happened in order to make, make them feel that way, which I feel like by itself is so empowering to know that you can actually get to that state. But in so doing, I think when you get to that state, it just kind of happens to open it up for reproductive health just by nature. So that's one of the things that I've always seen, you know, with people that have been consistent with their treatments. Another thing is, um, I'm going to touch upon uh, something that's a little out there, but spirit babies. <laughs> like I do feel like when people make that connection, people, I'm talking like I've had people get signs, ask for signs, be really open and have really crazy signs come. But another thing is like somebody who's come to me for a year, all of a sudden decides she wants to talk to her spirit baby while she's getting acupuncture that month, she gets pregnant. She hasn't thought to do that before. There's something really I can't ignore it. It's just, uh, it's not random. It can't be, I, I see it from with my patients. So I, I know that there's something to that. So it's enough where I think it's an important piece to mention. I actually think that that's really lovely that you brought that up. And I have, um, I'm blessed with so many mentors in life. I feel so fortunate about that. And I have one of my teachers 
uh, is a, you know, a traditionally trained obstetrician gynecologist who then found functional and integrative medicine and has been practicing for over 30 years. And she told me in her practice, when she would treat patients with infertility, she would actually have them visualize the soul of their future child and ask them what obstacles are preventing you from coming earthside right now. And all of these insights would emerge. And I think that's actually such a beautiful practice. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. Such a a well-rounded approach to fertility care with everything we've talked about, the you know, the functional medicine and the acupuncture and the herbs and the supplements, but this mind-body piece that we just truly can't ignore. So I so appreciate that. And before we part ways today, I have to ask you a couple of fun questions. My first question is, what do you love learning about right now? I ask this to everyone. I think it's, you know, you have this expertise in fertility and you've learned so much. So when you go, you're looking at research articles or you want to attend a conference, what's exciting to you to learn about right now? I love learning about anything that has to do with woo-woo and science combined, the quantum fields, all of that stuff, quantum physics. I nerd out on that. Like I cannot get enough of it. (laughs) We might need to do a follow-up episode on that at some point. So much to unpack in that topic. So good. My last question is, you know, you shared, especially in your bio, I talked about that you really found acupuncture and fertility care out of some, a personal challenge that you had in reproduction. If you could go back to the beginning of your own fertility journey, what would you tell yourself? A loaded question, but an important one. Yes. So luckily it was before I got married that I got this resolved, but I had very regular periods and my my reproductive health was a mess, but I would go back and tell her, love yourself more, honor yourself more, speak your truth. Because I do think that that misalignment in my general life really impacted me physically. Yeah. Great advice. We can all take that to heart as we look at who we are right now and what would our future loving, kind, accepting self tell us now. So Michelle, I wanted to thank you so much for your time today. I could talk to you for a million hours. I love everything about the way you teach and you're just such an important member of the fertility community. And I just wanted to thank you so much for being with us today. Kalia, the feeling is mutual. And thank you so much for having me on today. Well, I so appreciate our wonderful guest and to all of our listeners, thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. To my treasured friend and producer, Paola Martini, working her magic behind the scenes. Thank you, everyone. Looking forward to see you again next time. Did you love this episode and want to hear more? Head over to drkaliawaddles.com slash podcast, where you can find more episodes on all things fertility. 